I want to hear you scream. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We'll tear your soul apart. Podcast of the Dead. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast of the Dead, the podcast about all things horror-related. We're your hosts. I'm Zach Palmer. Sitting across from me is Isaac Wright. I would like to take this opportunity to uh, thank everyone over at Fanta and announce our first corporate sponsorship. <laughs> uh, Fanta, ride the bones that we've ground up to make our food coloring. <laughs> okay. You, um, you, you say... It's a, it's a little bit of... It's a, it's a preemptive marketing strategy. They haven't actually endorsed us yet, but I'm sure after that they will. I'm you say Fanta uh, and look what I'm drinking. <laughs> see? See? I t- I'm telling you. Well, we, we got, we're going to get that corner or that corner of the market just like locked up. The corner of the market that loves drinking the, the ground up bones. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, because you can't see Chrissy, uh, Chrissy is drinking Fanta Lemon. Uh, no for <laughs> and speaking of Chrissy, uh, they're joining us from the void as always. There was a fucking mass protest yesterday, and Jeremy Corbyn's brother got arrested because he oh, shit, protested really? against lockdown and kept shouting about 5G. Jeremy, go get your brother. Sort, sort his fucking life out. Great. I think we might have actually talked about this, but where did the 5G thing come from? Um, why is that even the thing? Paranoia. Not jobs. Just... Oh, it's so frustrating because I hear about it like flat earthers. Like, why? Yeah. The frogs be turning the gays, and <laughs> I don't know. Alex, just blame Alex Jones. I'm personally, I'm personally proud of being a gay frog, uh, honestly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's another, it's another week in hell. Uh, although it's been two weeks since we did an episode, uh, just because uh, we didn't want to do one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's what you expect from this sea uh, level podcast is uh, is intermittent transmissions. We, uh, <laughs> we all deserved a week off. I, yeah. I sat and binged Nosferatu on Shudder and realized, damn, Zachary Quinto still could get it. Yeah. Yeah. Zachary Quinto... Fine, fine, a fine man. Um, what have we done since we were off? We attempted to watch Rose Red and then could not. Oh. <laughs> yeah, as as we mentioned, am I the only person that has actually finished that film? I finished it when it came out. Yeah, no, 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 or ever. Uh, well, maybe in one sitting, yes, but uh, but no, Isaac and I both both saw it when it was airing. Um, and we both saw all of it when it was airing because it's a thing that can only be taken in small pieces, which is why they made it into a miniseries. I, uh, because otherwise it's a fucking marathon of awful. I, I sat through it with my dad. It took us like five years, but we finally did it. And, <laughs> oh boy, never again. Unless it's for the podcast yeah. and it means yeah. I get to torture my dad with this hell again. It yes. very much hot garbage. Yeah. Uh, the thing that fascinated me this past week was um, San Antonio and then a couple other counties in Texas, counties and cities in Texas, uh, you know, had pretty aggressive lockdown measures. And, yeah. And we're also, you know, enforcing, you know, mask rules, enforcing a lot of social distancing, everything like that. 
Uh, this past week, uh, Ken Paxton, our Attorney General, sent uh, like essentially cease and desist letters to all counties that had like good public health practices in place. And we're like, hey, just so you know, the governor's revoked all of these, so your laws are superseded by the governor's laws, so you can't enforce any of this. Fantastic. And places like San Antonio were like, we were creating public health guidelines based on the governor's recommendations. Why? Yeah. And so that's just driving a bigger wedge between the two camps of I'm trying to keep people safe versus I just want well, to and, and I, I want my freedom. And, and I told you about this. I, I told you about this uh, when I went to Walmart on Tuesday. Um, but Chrissy hasn't heard this yet. But I, I went to Walmart on Tuesday, and of course I had a mask on, and you know everything was taking all the proper precautions and trying to stay away from people. Uh, but I was like one of maybe seven people in the whole store that had a mask on. Uh, and then when... People do not know how to... I, I mean, even before this, people seem to understand traffic through an aisle, but now they seem to understand it less somehow, because oh, no, now there's people... They willfully don't understand it. Yeah, I was about to say, because someone's telling them to do it differently, or to follow some sort of a rule... I guess. That's encroaching on their freedom, Zach. Okay? <laughs> that's what you don't understand, is that is akin to a concentration camp. Which I also saw people actually. Uh, no, nope. yep, yeah, I've seen people saying it's like I'm, a camp. And my favorite thing. I've was, never wanted to slap somebody who is being sarcastic <laughs> so much. I've uh, also <laughs> seen people referring to it as as like racism. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing was uh, George Takei's. Uh, is it Takei or Takei? Takei. Takei. George Takei's tweet about it. Apparently, like, there was some lawmaker that was comparing to uh, quarantine and everything like that to the... Uh, internment the camps. Internment camps of yeah. Japanese-Americans during World War II. And he's like, hey, it's not like that at all. In so many words, he was much more eloquent than that. Yeah. But he was still just shitting all over them because I was there. Because he was <laughs> like, I was there, assholes. Fuck you. Yeah. This is nothing like that. Yeah. So that, that yeah. was an amazing tweet that I read. I'm <laughs> one of... Something like 50 employees, maybe more, that wears a mask. No one in my store wears a mask. I'm the only employee that wears one. In addition to that, um, I'm not going to name the business or anything, but an eating establishment near where I work has some, you know, outdoor, like, park benches and stuff, you know, for eating and stuff. And uh, so restaurants here are open again. You can do whatever the fuck they want. And so, uh, one establishment you'll see is actually enforcing social distancing. There's like, you know, space between people, all in a lot of people inside at one yeah. time. There's that. And then you look over at this restaurant, and there's three park benches seated right next to each other, and they're all full, like five or six people at a table, just back to back, no distancing whatsoever. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. This is a good, this is a good <laughs> it's <laughs> fine. contrast right here, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, Y'all, where you live is a lawless wasteland. <laughs> well, yeah. not as bad as, um, shit, was it Wisconsin? The, oh, God, I, the bars. Court? The bars in Wisconsin. Yeah, the yeah. Supreme Court just was like, no, we don't care anymore. And yeah. even the governor's like, uh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, we're just going to pretend that never happened. Yeah, and... Even though no, people are still getting sick. There's nothing to do in Wisconsin except drink. <laughs> 
No, Why else do you think the red leather media guys are probably alcoholics? Oh, that's how they. Constant? Yeah, I mean that's how they stay warm. Yeah. Um. So. Um. So a couple of the you know comedians and newscasts and stuff that I watched did compare that to you know so they're sitting there saying that this is akin to slavery and this is taking away our freedoms. They need to get back to work. They need to get their children back to school. But then the minute you lift a ban and allow people to go back to work and school, they don't really care about that. They just care about going to bars and getting wasted. And so it's like, hmm, maybe you just want to do whatever the fuck you want. It's not about going back to work or going back to school or getting the economy moving. It's just the book that you want to do what you want to do. Exactly. And someone's telling you not to. It's, pers it's a personal freedom issue, a personal liberty issue, but it's that's been the increasing issue with people especially in America, like, in the last 10, 20 years, is just the disconnect between other people and yourself and, like, empathy for other people. And, Post 9-11, especially. Well, yeah, but and I don't want to try and blame the internet for this, but I feel like it's a huge factor okay. in it. It is, like, how we disconnect ourselves and we go online virtually and we don't have face-to-face -face interactions as much as we used to and that you don't get the same sense of people as you used to. We're, we're more tribal because people gravitate to their own tribes on an online space and never interact. Yeah, and that can, that, can directly, that can directly correlate to why we're so politically divided now, too. Um, I think that has a lot to do with it. It's a lot of different things. Well, but. And also, there, there are a lot of uh, media markets that are spending, or a lot of companies, I should say, that are spending a lot of money in various media markets to influence people's decision makings and know how to infiltrate various tribal areas. You know what I mean? True. That's, Especially that's with the fact that the education systems are so purposely underfunded. Yeah. Systemic inequality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep the people dumb yeah. or else they'll do the things that we don't want them to do. Like demand more money. But I guess let's yeah. let's focus on the good for a second. Are things at least getting better there at all, Chrissy? Um, no. Oh, okay. But the, the, the one good thing, my town has the lowest case rate in the country. Oh that's great. That's good, yeah. 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 That's it's great. great. But it's also like, man, people keep coming here from other places to day trip. Just fuck off. I will stand at like the entrance to Hastings <laughs> and with a with a sword and I will <laughs> cut off your genitalia if you think of coming into Hastings. So sword's too abstract. They know that like you do it, you'll get arrested. Get a potato gun and just point it at the cars, like driving down the road. Just stand there and be like, I'm good. You see it. I'm gonna do it. Like, Holes in your happen. windshield. Yeah, just shoot a potato, frozen potato specifically, yeah. at their car windshield and see what happens. Frozen potato. And then just chuck it in the in the water and leave. And I'm just chuck it in the water yeah. and leave. Half, half these people that are driving in have got open windows. I'll just throw the bags of cat shit that I take out of my little box every week. There you go. And my cats That's... do terrible shit. That's... All cats do terrible shits, but... Yeah, that, uh, if, I don't know if y'all have, uh, you know, the signs like, Welcome to Hastings, but it's just underneath it as, as a deterrent for visitors, just, Our cats do terrible shits. <laughs> <laughs> I will throw cat shit in your car. 
Yeah, I don't know what it says now underneath the, the entry sign to Hastings. Probably like a fishing town for everybody or something. I don't know. But <laughs> but now uh, it, it's it going to say... home of the television because technically Hastings is where the TV was invented. Oh. Really? Interesting. Yep. The man who invented the television was from Hastings. So, by like a thousand degrees of separation, we can blame you for Fox News. Yeah. well fuck you (laughs) uh but today this week we're talking about a big old heavy hitter uh one that i don't know why we haven't done it yet but i guess it's just because we none of us really like zombie stuff that much i guess but this one's so important that you can't skip it (laughs) i don't think it's right Um, none of us like zombies i think that chrissy likes zombies a lot don't you uh, not so much. I, oh, I like okay. I like Rom- I like Romero movies, and That's I like I like yeah. Return of the Living Dead and Fulci movies because Fulci often uses zombies. Gotcha. But like, I don't like zombies. Like the lore of it. I I I don't mind. I I like Return of the Living Dead because titties. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I knew you were but, a Romero fan. That's why I said that. But like, yeah, like I'm I- a Romero fan because yeah. I enjoy. Like the ethics of Romero and his craft, but like zombies as a whole, damn, just stop putting zombies and everything. Yeah. Well, it's not so much like that anymore, at least. So, it's uh, not. The zombie craze did it, kind of it die died down, down a little bit, which is good because yeah. what if it's every once in a while and they bring some interesting zombie stuff? Like when Walking yeah. Dead came out, I found that interesting. Not a big fan of zombies, but Ash and I sat down to watch it. I was like, okay, this is engaging. You know what I mean? So, like, if you give me some good zombie stuff yeah. here and there, it's good. But, yeah, when the market was just saturated with it, like, let's say three years ago, four years ago, something like that. Yeah. It was just, it got old so quick. Yeah, it Everyone did. Everyone was doing it. But, well, let's, let's try and figure out where that all started. <laughs> yeah. Podcast of the Dead. So... On October 1st, 1968, a movie stumbled in some ambulance onto the screen of theatres, shocking audiences. This was George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, co-written by uh, John Russo, who went on to create a sort of spin-off sequel with Dan O'Bannon, who did Alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but that is an, another episode entirely, and <laughs> it's great. But um, it's considered to be one of the first zombie movies in sort of the way that we view zombies today. Like, the way we view Walking Dead zombies and shit like that. Mm-hmm. The movie went on to be a cult classic spawning so many sequels. <laughs> a remake by horror legend, like the SFX legend Tom Savini. And it's even in so many other movies because public domain. Yeah. So, yeah, so one of the things about Night of the Living Dead that you probably already know, but if you don't, you can watch it on the Wikipedia page because it's it's, now public domain. It was always public domain. They forgot to register the copyright. Yeah. Oh, well, well, there you go. Yeah. Oh, I thought when I was reading, I thought that that it was so, so much of a landmark that they decided not to renew the copyright so they can make it. No, there was like never registered it is what you're saying. As, like, the story I've heard is that he never registered it in the end. Interesting. That would have cost too much money. But it, but it is now, it's <laughs> now in, um, it has to be public domain now anyway, because it's in, like, 
one of the film archives? It's in the National Film Registry, yes. The Library That's of Congress, one. yes. So it has to be. Which like, a ton of movies domain. from 1968 are, and we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, um, what's the first time you watched this, Isaac? <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Or not yesterday, Friday. We're recording this Sunday. We watched it on Friday. I don't keep track of weeks. Yeah. But had you, <laughs> had you seen any scenes from it before this? No. I, I had seen the, the coming to get you, Barbara. I had seen that before. Mm -hmm. Didn't know what it was. Didn't know what the significance of it was. Right. <laughs> um, like I said, I'm not a huge zombie fan, and I have seen Dawn of the Dead. Like, I've seen both Dawn of the Deads. But, I don't know, zombie stuff typically gets really slow-paced for me. Yeah. And then I kind of lose interest. I even lost interest in this halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> like in the middle there's a very there's a very long part in the middle where there's not a lot is happening and just It's a lot of bickering in the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just more character building in that yes. sense rather than things happening. Yeah. Well, and you'll find that in a lot of zombie stuff, and I think that comes from this. Uh, and a is, lot of Romero stuff, especially. And a lot of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of Romero stuff, where they just have infighting between people who are trying to survive and stuff. I mean, that's pretty much all of Walking Dead, but... Yeah, it's, li just... it's literally just the entire plot of Day of the Dead. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, Isaac and I were talking about things that we like that are zombie-related that, uh, for me, includes this... Mm -hmm. uh i also we also agreed that we like 28 days later a lot oh i love uh, 28 days 28 days later is great and that's in we kind of agreed that's not like regular zombies that's yeah, the running them, the running type zombies yeah like the left for dead type zombies funny enough running zombies started with return of the living dead which is technically related to this how's that um, I said that was the film created by John Russo. Well, sort of yeah. by John oh, Russo. That was a spin-off. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And there was kind of a there was like a disagreement over like the 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 name the which, name which yeah. I'll get into a bit later. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, my first experience with Night of the Living Dead was, uh, oh man, I can't even remember. It's been a long time. Um, shit. It, it, it's maybe been 10 years since I saw it the first time. Uh, I saw it, I guess, relatively late for people who are really into horror movies and zombie movies and stuff like that. But, uh, I, you know, it, it's one of those things where I saw it and I was like, yeah, I get why this is historically interesting and accurate. I, I didn't think it was a huge deal when I saw it, but, like, I respect it more every time I watch it. It's one of those types of movies for me. <clears throat> so, I, I don't know. I was in secondary school. I'd say maybe I was about fourteen when I thought, when I watched it first. So yeah, about ten years for me. And God, makes you sound old now. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, We're so all it about, old. It's fine. We are. We're not. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was yeah. It was about ten years ago. My dad for Christmas had bought me, um a like triple pack of night day and night dawn and day and somebody given me a color version the the colorized version they did of this version of oh i yeah i've never seen the colorized version of night of the living dead yeah i never watched that version <laughs> yeah i never watched it because the as much as colorizations like cool and all this film has to be seen in black and white. 
Yeah. So yeah, I, I watched it. I was like, oh, that's great. And then I watched Dawn. I'm like, oh, that's better. And then I watched Day. I'm like, oh, that's the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as colorizations go, I, I will go off on a tiny rant here. Yeah, they're garbage. They're stupid. There's no fucking point to them. And uh, when people were filming stuff in black and white, you take a look at the, how they film stuff with contrast, with lighting, with shots. Uh, like this. If you're talking about a film specifically, yes. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes, their, their sometimes I definitely think they wanted it to be in color. Um, there's sometimes they just couldn't do it in color because they didn't have the technology. I don't a, a, a agree with you on I this one. Well. I pretty much hard don't you don't agree with you on this. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's fine. But yeah, well, I I don't. Uh, so I'm like colorization would be fine for some things, but like I don't know this this I found it detracted from. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying that there are things that shouldn't be in black and white. Like, I feel like the if the lighthouse was in color, that oh, would, make, it would make a lot less sense. Oh, if the lighthouse was in color, it would be wrong. But it would be wrong. It'd be wrong. But, it, like, like I would say, like, historical footage, I think, is, is good to try and colorize, because oh, yeah. then it makes it more and more real. Like, the World War II in color series, I don't know if you've ever watched that on Netflix, but it's actually really good. I watched a little bit, but... Uh, yeah, I, like the, the I would historical. say certain things are, are finding color for you to add color to them. Okay, I I, I don't I mean I I don't say there's a hard line that you shouldn't do it ever. <laughs> Just if I see anyone colorizing the lighthouse screenshots, I will come to your house and throw the shit in your window. <laughs> I, uh, I, knew, I knew this would be a little bit of a hot topic. Like, this one, well, I do one think I, I I well I do think that Man of Steel should be in color. <laughs> <laughs> Sick fucking DC DC movie universe burn. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. it's, have it's you ever great. seen? Have you ever seen scenes where people like added real color yeah, to that no. movie? Yes, <laughs> it's better. It's definitely better. No. <laughs> it's um, it, it's great that Savini remade this, seeing as like one of his first films was, like one of, one like one of the first things he did was was Dawn. Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Uh, I've never seen the remake. The, the remake's only... actually pretty fun. I've uh, I've only seen this one Dawn Day uh Return of the Living Dead obviously and the remake of Dawn. Mm. Uh which was eh. It was okay. It was okay. That's Snyder, about all I can say about Snyder it. Snyder does better when he's not doing his own work. So like that <laughs> and and Watchmen. Oh yeah, I liked Watchmen, but yeah, whatever. But I mean, his version of Dawn isn't great either. But yeah, my problems with Watchmen can be another day, another day. Yeah, another I mean, it's Watchmen. not a perfect film either. I mean, <laughs> oh, none no. of it's none of it's great. I like it, but yeah, we can we can talk about Watchmen another time. <laughs> yeah. So, how do we bring zombies to life? With Romero, who was an independent filmmaker, he directed and co-wrote the film. And edited, and the, the cinematography, which he's not credited for, but, but he did it because you know it's what happens when you got no fucking money. Yeah, and and, and we'll he, get to that. <laughs> they decided to do it to capitalize on shocking an audience with like the thirst for the bizarre that was coming out because obviously, um, I think Todd Browning's Freaks had just sort of come, come back come into back like and, yeah. And uh, uh, I, I know, I know, Isaac has never seen Freaks, but I think we've talked about it before, haven't we? Yeah, the Google, yeah, it's the Google Gobble. One of us. One yeah, of us. yeah so mm. that that Ramon song has the yeah. has that in there. 
I've yeah. seen a lot of bits of, of Freaks, but I have never seen the whole movie all the way through. Yeah, yeah so I remember good. that had come back into like the public consciousness, and um, I said this is like post Nam as well, so you know people were going to crazy shit. Right. And this is like when it was really escalating. Sixty-eight. Yeah. yeah. And so um, it created a like a new and unseen, but like it is, it's a classic fear in it. Nobody wants the dead to come back to life. Nobody knows how they'd react, and it sort of it capitalized on that shockingness. And now zombies like were mostly portrayed as like the like the in the voodoo term, like right. you know, just like oh, we're a hypnotized slave, and we've been hypnotized by some main antagonist who is a white man in blackface and it's really fucking awkward yeah but yeah yeah that's uh but this, thanks that's... the 50s <laughs> yeah pretty much but this time like the zombies were the threat and that's what like scared people plus they showed it in theaters at like matinee showings where they were like nine-year-olds Sweet. I remember yeah. like re- reading something where it was like, "Yeah, we're um gonna show show this movie to fucking kids." Yeah, it's like here's a here's a girl eating her mom. Yeah, that's a questionable yeah. decision making. Yeah, I don't know how that. Came it, yeah. it it was <laughs> the, the theaters didn't know what they were getting. I don't think. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah that that does make sense. Yeah. Uh, but it's literally called Night of the Living Dead. So I mean, I know. Oh, as far as zombies go, uh, isn't like one of the most classical portrayals of zombies like the the henchmen of vampires? Don't vampires turn people into yeah. like, mindless yeah. slaves and stuff like that? Yeah, like, yeah. So you were mentioning the voodoo one. I, I when I think of zombies, like not in like the con- like contagious disease, Resident Evil sense. I think of it in like the slave of a vampire sense. That's well, I mean, yeah. this all it all comes back to Frankenstein, doesn't it? Yeah. Because I mean, you I mean, you think about when we talked about Frankenstein. I mean, this is like where it kind of began. Was like the. I mean, it's not that necromancy didn't exist before mm. that, or the idea of necromancy <laughs> didn't exist before that, but I mean, like, Frankenstein's really the one that's like, oh, we can use science, mm. uh, you know, and uh, you, crazy you know, things can happen. Mm. Um, so Bringing the dead back to life and everything like that. And then, yeah. and then just, you know, just there was, as, as we talked about before, there was the craze of just, like, mentioning, you know, oh... Well, you know, like I said, with voodoo, it's just like there's that craze during yeah. like the 40s and 50s yeah. of using that as the other, as the fear. You know, oh, yeah. you know, you'll you'll become like a mindless slave for this evil, nasty man who's not who's not a Christian, so therefore he's evil yeah. and nasty. Yeah, and his name's Joseph Stalin. Uh, like, <laughs> nor- yeah, normally it was like, uh, a lot of it was like anti-communist propaganda, like under yeah. the surface, but this wasn't exactly that. This was kind of like on the opposite end. If you, I mean, if you're looking at subtext, yeah. but I would say this, this movie kind of introduced the idea of like zombies being like a contagious thing. Like, mm. you know, like they, they bite you and then you become one of them sort of thing. Like, because a lot of the time what it was is, is just like if you're going with the voodoo way, it was nor- normally just undead people eating people or, you know, yeah. just being like an army of some sort, you know. But uh, but this is like it's they're infectious and you become one of them just by being bit, you know, and that's like, this kind of introduced that. And it also sort of introduces like the idea of not knowing where it came from it's just like oh the dead are coming back oh well well yeah i mean they're like oh it's a venus probe that kind of 
thing about this movie that kind of makes me the most mad, even though I know that it's new. They're not even saying, but they're not even saying that's what it is. They're just suggesting that it might be it. That's why I kept thinking about the 5G and like, oh yeah, the 5G are causing zombies. That's what the plot of this movie is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's kind of weird how that ties in weirdly with this. They have no idea, and that's interesting that they have no idea. But I love them making up their own little conspiracy. Yeah, it's it's realistic. (laughs) that's it's It's, been proven that that's realistic. Yeah, movie's pretty realistic. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about the. Oh yeah, I I also love. I also love the way that Romero sort of refined throughout his career, like his idea, his own idea of zombies. Mm-hmm. He worked yeah, cool. every single film he worked, because like you wouldn't, like you, not comparing and contrasting, but you take like that first zombie you see in the cemetery, and you can you look at Bub in Day of the Dead, and you're like, this is a man who's built his own law and like yeah. wor- workshopped his own creation. And one thing that I think that's, I think is interesting, as far as if we're still talking about origin of zombies, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned this, you know, came out in the height of the Vietnam War. Um, one thing that a lot of historians talk about Vietnam being important for is that was one of the reasons it had so much public outcry against it was because Vietnam was one of the first wars that the the journalism, the, the, the journalists actually went there and were able to photograph it and actually bring back like a lot of the. Pictures yeah, from Tom Savini did it. That's what yeah. Tom Savini started it, doing. It was it's one of those things where during the time that it was happening, yes, it was very. But World War One mm-hmm. was very protested too. It was. I mean, it was very public, like how shitty that war right. was. But well, all I was getting back to, was yeah, that for for the public, they were seeing these images of war coming back, yeah. and then to see something like this, like they're just being kind of bombarded with, like, yeah. unfortunately, death, like all the time. And yeah, so yes, yeah. plays into. A bigger fear, and then so you're already surrounded by death, but then death also becomes a, its own like extra. De- death like, coming back, yeah, de- and yeah, then come back, yeah, becomes an extra threat. Yeah, uh, just dying itself isn't enough anymore. Now right, you're also going to come back and eat brains. And they yeah. don't reference in this, but well, I'm going to say, yeah, it. Bra- brain, brains is also first reference in Return. Can you guess how much I actually love Return of the Living Dead? Oh, a lot, I'm sure. Because like, like loads of people think that all the like the common zombie canon that we have, like the brains, the running, there's that that came in '86 with Return. Uh-huh. Romero was quite against. R- Romero had some realism to his zombies. You know, yeah. they were they they were just gonna eat the nearest thing. Yeah, it's they're not gonna specifically go for the brain. They're gonna they're just gonna eat you. And yeah. you know, they're they half of them are like decayed. You you ain't gonna be able to like run. <laughs> yeah. It sounds to me like Romero just didn't know how delicious the brain is. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm pretty I, sure actually brain is really unhealthy for you because it's so many like fats. Yeah, it. it's um, just kind of fat. Yeah. I'll get brain but, gout then. It's bra- brain <laughs> gout. Okay, cool. Gout. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, and before like the the neck beards chime in and say, well, I, well, actually, yes, there. Night of the Living Dead is not like the first of these types of uh, no. stories at all. Uh, it was heavily inspired by I Am Legend, the no- the 1954 yeah. novel, which you you probably have heard of the Will Smith 
movie uh, from 2007, but that was actually an adaptation of a novel from 1954 by a guy named mm. Richard Matheson. Uh, and George A. Romero has said that that was a heavy inspiration for this. So just in case you're about to go, well, actually, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we, we, we know. Yeah, we know. We know. I don't, I don't like you like attacking our own fan base and calling them <laughs> <neckbeards>. <laughs> I'm calling the people who would disagree with me on that point neckbeards and they are yeah <laughs> it's it's like you know and it's great to see how zombies have evolved over the years yeah i mean yeah. whilst i don't like the walking dead it's great to see zombies looking like that and it's great to see like the resi zombies yeah and oh <laughs> and like the dead by daylight zombies yeah and the crabhead zombies from half-life yeah. Oh, and all the, the all the adorable zombies in Lollipop Chainsaw. Yeah. Oh, it's especially <laughs> that really, really hot rockabilly one that was the the last boss. <laughs> I have a lot of mushroom head zombies from Last Chainsaw. of Us. I, I do like how zombies as a whole can be Yeah, I was about to bring up Last of Us also. That, that mm. you can spin the you... origin of them however you want yeah, to really. Pretty and much. Sometimes it goes really well like Last of Us and yeah. sometimes you just have like the goop monsters in Resident Evil Seven, you're like, what happened here? <laughs> Let yeah, it's give me regular zombies. <laughs> I uh, I I like. I mean, I think those goop monsters are based on Tarman, aren't they? Are they? Because they seem heavily inspired by Tarman. Yeah, probably. Give me a give me a from of Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, he's great. Okay, that's yeah, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, yeah. Tom, Tom, Tom Man is great. He is. Oh no 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 not that not that. We have Return of the Living Dead, by the way. We should watch it after this. Yeah. Um, Tom Man is great, and I love him. And yeah. He's my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh, yeah no no no. I, my favorite zombie stories actually are always the ones where it's like aliens brought mm. brought brought zombies to life. I love those stories, <laughs> like where they're they're tied to aliens somehow. I like aliens and zombies together. You That's mm. kind of. They're not really zombies. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I yeah, I like anything where you still skin. That's that's yeah. why Midsummer's so I'm good. Fi- I think I'm realizing, well, whilst just even discussing zombies here, that I l- I love the concept of zombies and it's great because you can you do can. so much with it. <laughs> you can only do like vampires are great, and I love vampires, as everyone knows. And there's so much you can do with vampires, but there's so much more you can do with zombies. True. But True. no one does anything new, and it is please Hollywood do something new. I think though, actually, because I mean, Jason's a zombie at this point. Yes, he is. I, I would say at this point they have done everything with zombies, but not all of it's mainstream. Yeah, that's true. Zombie Inspector Gadget hasn't been done yet. Somewhere. And Someone and you know the. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the, like the Deadites are a form of zombie as well. Yeah. Oh, Deadites are great. Deadites yeah. are rad. Evil Dead as a whole is rad. Yeah. Can, can, can we just take a moment quickly to appreciate Bruce Campbell's quarantine beard? Yeah. It's Because, oh, he <laughs> is fucking foxy. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even start work on, on, on the new Doctor Strange movie yet. Very sad. That is sad, mm. isn't it? That's <laughs> yeah. uh, that's whatever. Uh, by the way, this is what his beard looks like. Okay. Like, you 
<laughs> Dollar store Sean Connery. It's <laughs> That's what he always has been, though. Sure. Yeah. But, but, but and, now, and, he li- and he revels in it. But now he can still fill that space w- with the facial hair. Wasn't able to do it. He was he was basically bar- Dollar Store Mitt Romney without facial uh, hair. And now he's do- Dollar Store Sean Connery. Uh, don't you dare. He refer. looks exactly like Mitt Romney. <laughs> don't. don't, don't <laughs> no, he dare. doesn't. Or I will, I will get our Fanta... <laughs> Fanta sponsorship <laughs> revoked. <laughs> I can't help it that he looks like a Republican senator. I didn't make his bones dry. <laughs> okay, well, now, if we go all the way back to our episode on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which uh, I can't even remember what episode number that was, but it was it was, it was was a while. It was when we first started. Uh, we might remember there uh, that the budget of the movie was in the ballpark of $80,000 to $140,000. The most common number we can find for the budget of Night of the Living Dead is about $114,000. That's, that's the most common number we run into all the time, and it seems like the most scientific one because it's very specific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, in other words, uh, two of the most influential horror movies in what is the most critical era of uh, horror um, were both shot on absolutely tiny budgets when compared to other bigger films of the time. Uh, the thing is, too, that 1968 was a huge year for movies. Huge year for movies. This is a mm. year that Kubrick's 2001 came out, uh, Planet of the Apes came out, Rosemary's Baby came out. The Graduate came out. These are all these are all movies that came out the same year as Night of the Living Dead. Um, this is uh, a year where a large portion of the hit films are now in the Library of Congress. They're all like they're all like in some sort of national registry because of how important they are to like filmmaking. Uh, so that I mean that's just how big of a year it was for film. So that makes you think of like how much of an underdog this film really was and how it did well, even despite all that. Uh, so mm. <laughs> keep in mind that Night of the Living Dead grossed almost as much as Planet of the Apes, a film that had a budget of $5.8 million. What did it eventually gross? It grossed like 80 million? What was it? No, Night of the Living Dead was about uh, 30, 30, 30 oh, 31. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Planet of the Apes was about 33, 34. Uh, for inflation, that's like a shit ton. Oh, it's a shit ton. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's 250 times the budget. Uh, so there you go. Um, it's like Marvel money nowadays. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, normally we don't focus so much on money in the making of a film. Uh, but when you do it on this one, you really understand how much of an underdog it was. Um, it really came out of nowhere and surprised everybody, I think. Cause, both in a good and bad way. <laughs> yeah, both in a good and bad way. It, it was shocking to people how like straight up violent it was, I guess. Like, because... Not a whole lot of films at that time were as violent. Um, it's it, it just mean, surprised most, people, you know. Most films didn't. Most films didn't have a scene. We're we're like a, I think she's meant to be like eight. We're an eight year old straight up like fucking guts her mum basically with a fucking mm. trowel. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was a pretty good scene. That that, that entire scene is really good. Uh, and I don't know. Focusing on the money is kind of interesting because mm. they don't have many effects, and they yeah. still manage to make yeah. a horrific experience out of something that is not what you would call a zombie movie nowadays. So <laughs> that's something that the black and white lens do. Mm-hmm. And exactly, yeah, yeah, I think so as well. 
And that's one of the reasons why I say that, like, a lot of films that were shot in black and white, typically it, it takes away something to make them colorized, especially for this. It adds to the, it adds to the eeriness. It adds to the, sh- like, I, I, get, I, I totally, I totally color. understand what you're saying. I'm just saying there are probably many filmmakers at the time that wanted it to be in color, but they just couldn't. <laughs> oh, you, you can see, like, you can see, like, the color version's, like, as said, okay, but you can see, like, the lack of budget with the color version. The like the the use of black and white hides so much like of like the shit makeup and stuff like that yeah. because honestly they they didn't really know and also just the black and white adds to the effect of it looking like a corpse yeah mm-hmm. the, I think that as well that's one of the because you you can actually do the makeup to where their eyes still look like sunken they're, they're, well, they're, the skin still like, it, seems to be like hanging off their bones when you just haven't done any actual real special effects makeup so i think that looks, makes it look i good. think kind of the uh ethos that I, I i think that romero had behind it is he wanted to shoot it like a universal horror film because that's yeah. kind of that's what it looks like it looks like it was shot in the 30s <laughs> because of just how bad everything is but that lends to it just feels very 30s yeah, it feels very 30s. The score is what does it for me. I'm not sure how much money they spend on the score, but it's very old, old-timey old Hollywood score. Yeah, mm. it, they probably spent like $3 on the score. Um, <laughs> Minus not... 70p. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's, that part of it uh, stood out a lot, and yeah, it does feel maybe not universal horror. It doesn't feel quite as campy, even though it has less of a budget. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. still doesn't feel campy, which is... I would say a pretty big accomplishment to make a very low-budget film that doesn't feel like it's low-budget. And mm. I think that, I think honestly, that comes back more to not just the look of the film, but more due to the acting and the story and the situation that you don't really focus on how little money they put into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and it just really showed, good. it just gave a lot to Romero's craft. Mm. I mean, admittedly, his later films aren't as great. <laughs> and as much as I like love Dawn, the makeup in Dawn is so goofy. Is it really? Oh, it is. What? Well, what? Well, but it's intentionally supposed to be kind of goofy. Yeah, I know what? it's like intentionally goofy. Because when it, they go back to day, it's very realistic. Yeah, again. it's a lot more realistic. Because Don of the Dead's makeup was supposed to be kind of comic book feeling. Um, yeah, the that's the in, like that's the intention the kind color of. The palette is very comic. That's the intention. Book-y. They intentionally use really bright looking blood. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. But this one is like the most grim, I would say, and the most like gritty one. I think that's a good adjective for it, because what I was going to say is we didn't really do like any kind of a any kind of a synopsis of it. I guess it's so epitomous that most people have seen it at this point. Yeah, I mean, we didn't do a synopsis on Jaws either. I know. <laughs> yeah. And I thought about that afterward. I was like, hmm, should we have done that? But anyway. No. What I was going to say about this is just, I mean, all, all the movie is is like, yeah, the dead are coming back to life, but it's really just. A bunch of people held up in the house trying not to die and just fighting, infighting. Well, I'm not going downstairs. You go downstairs. Well, I have the gun, so you're going to do what I say. Oh, okay. Also, then child eats. And then, just, like, it, it, it's a pretty cut-and-dry movie. Uh, but that's what makes it work. I feel like if it had more of a plot, it kind of might have gone right. off the rails. It, it doesn't need so much of a plot. Mm-hmm. I said, yes, it's got it's got the plot, and it, it works. But so much of it is just character driven rather than story driven and even yeah. though as I said the story's there and the story's great it depends on the characters and what they're feeling within that moment which lends 
Which lends itself to the fact of it being so low budget but feeling like so much more than it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Budget wise. Like it could be a play if it didn't have to, you know, have a little bit of a larger space, you know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah. that's kind of the, the impression that I, I get from it a lot of the time is that it feels like a stage production. Yeah, which mm. is which is kind of how they were doing a lot of those universal horror films is they were supposed they're kind of like a stage production on film. You just really have one set and it's just in- interactions between people in that one set. Right. And then, you know, on the stage you would allude to zombies coming and maybe have one here or there with shit makeup because it's on the stage and no one can really tell if they're that far away from right. the stage what anything yeah. looks like. Yeah. <laughs> so they kinda took I mean this film doesn't even refer to them as zombies. Yeah, what do they do they call them ghouls? What do they do they call Yeah, them they're anything? cool. Ghouls, I, I think, think they is just, what they... Ghouls slash just the dead. Yeah. Oh, okay. I remember reading in one of the things, when I was like reading about the movie, I feel like they say that someone called them ghouls, but yeah, it's not. Refer- they're not referred to as zombies. They, yeah, they never say zombies. Yeah. yeah. Who do they, they credit to having the first use of the word zombies, as far as in popular film? I can't uh, Return of the Living Dead, I think, again. Is it really? Yeah, it, it's either that or Dawn. Okay. Yeah. Because, but I don't remember them using the term in Dawn. So Romero eventually did adopt it. Yeah. Okay. That's that's just because the cultural zeitgeist ended up just calling them zombies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It's a catchy word, zombie. It is a good word. It's also a cranberry song. It is, and it's a good song. <laughs> it is a good it's, song. It's like also an it's also an AJJ song called Zombie by the Cranberries by Andrew Jackson Jihad. Great. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, yeah. I love Andrew Jackson Jihad. <laughs> yeah. They're just, they're just AJJ now. Yeah. That's just, that's what, just did what they, they got. the Jihad? Did they tend to think that yeah, was they... problematic? Well, yeah, um, I mean, they're, no, they're just they, called they AJJ now. Joke. Yeah. They just go <laughs> they by the abbreviation the now. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a thing. I mean, hell, there's Sony horror punk songs based around Romero if he'd have got royalties from how many times I listened to Misfits to the Misfits is uh, (laughs) Night of the Living Dead yeah he'd have been even richer yeah do they they explicitly like how would they I don't think you can get royalties from a song like I don't think fucking Three Doors Down had to give DC any royalties for Kryptonite you can totally get royalties from a yeah. song if it's referencing a, a thing they have that. To do it for Kryptonite. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I know, I know you totally can. Really? Yeah, you totally yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, artists share royalties all the time. First of all, when they're on, when they're featured on a track, for one. Uh, but yeah, if you're if you're referencing something that is like a licensed thing, like. Especially if it's a phrase that's licensed, like, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> well, phrase is different than just... Yeah. Again, I'm coming back to that Three Doors Down song, because that's the one that I've always thought about in my brain. It's like, did they have to get licensed from DC to do that? I don't know, but I'm saying that it's possible. Huh. Yeah. yeah. But we don't have to worry about then it here, because it... the movie has no copyright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so then again, Glenn could have done what he wanted, because there's no copyright on the film. Yeah, he would have just, just dick-slapped whoever said... Otherwise, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you dare, you dare plagiarize something off of him or anything misfits, and he and Jerry O'Neill will be breathing down your fucking neck. Ugh, God, <laughs> suck my ass. <laughs> That's all I can say. This this film is revolutionary in a lot of ways. 
because it features a protagonist of color, which is uh you know the 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 black guy named Ben, which is literally unheard of for a lead at that point in time, especially like let alone like the hero of the story. And you know though the civil rights bill had been passed, I think it was a couple of years before. I did look it up, but then I went to work, so my brain has stopped working. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember when Johnson signed it. But yeah, like clearly, like I think it was. I think it was sixty-eight. I'm pretty sure it was sixty-eight. Possibly, but clearly the world had not moved on, and it, it still hasn't. I was about to say the world had never moved on. <laughs> yeah, isn't yeah. it? Like they pretend it's moved on, but it shows a very graphic you know it shows that you know he's a smart he's a smart you know dude and he's dressed like a normal white guy like that cardigan he's wearing like screams middle like middle class white dad cardigan yeah i just thought he had a button down t-shirt i thought he just has a button down t-shirt does he does he have a no he's he's wearing like a like a white cardigan and a or at least it looks white because uh, of yeah. black and white, but it's like a white cardigan type thing and like a shirt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you sure? Because uh, I'm looking at he, a picture of him right now. I think he gets rid of it. I think he gets rid of the cardigan at one point, but it's like a cardigan type like t- like jacket. He might, yeah. We'll just, it's we'll in just... the, it... By the way, the, the name of the actor is Dwayne Jones, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think we mentioned that yet. We'll just uh, own it up to him having to use it for a tourniquet or something. That's what <laughs> he, he fashioned a yeah, tourniquet no. out of the cardigan. I go. think, like, I... A carnet, a carnet kit. <laughs> he, Dwayne Jones was a university professor in real life. So that that's a thing. Oh, yeah. And, he was also a stage he, actor. Yes. Yeah. He was just worried that yeah. people would recognize him as just as just Ben. Which they probably that's did. Not, that's not a bad thing, because Ben's great. We love Ben. But it also shows... So he has kind of a, like a, a... He has, like, a Betsy Palmer... Uh, complex about it, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah. it showed a very graphic depiction of, like, the fami- like a f- of a familial breakdown, which I know loads of people in, like, sus- like sociology have attributed it to the breakdown of, like, nuclear family from, from the 50s going into the 60s. Yeah. And it, both were very unintentional, but it Puts the film's very socially aware, like very socially aware, and earned Romero the title of being loudly progressive, in which he leaned into that, like yeah. throughout his career. Which is good. He just, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. And especially at the time, and as a continually, some speculated it was also a comment on, on the Cold War Red Scare and the fear of the other, as well as like commenting on Vietnam and just loads of other things that were happening at that time yeah and uh, maybe romero didn't do that intentionally and maybe it's just one of those things where people interpreted it as they would and then oh the yeah, interpretations sure. got out of hand in some cases but i i, I mean if you do if maybe part of it was intentional and it, it you know because i am legend it has a lot of subtext in it and maybe mm. if he was drawing a lot of inspiration from that he could have just basically osmosis it into night of the living dead and in the sense that yeah there is a lot of one interesting interpretation that i saw was that like the zombies are like i guess the masses and like everybody in the house is like 
the le like lesser like disadvantaged groups like uh like uh people of color and like the lgbtq community and all that sort of stuff and i think mm. that's an interesting interpretation because they, i mean that was right at the time where that was like the height of like civil rights movement and uh you know kind of subversive films like this were getting more interesting and um i don't know i think that personally i think any good art emulates to a certain degree the time period in which it's made yeah intentionally or unintentionally yeah definitely you know I mean? yeah you know, he might not have been setting out to do that but especially yeah because uh i haven't read all of i am legend but i do know the, roughly the story and i know that like some of the themes that it addresses and so you're pulling that into this movie you're also pulling in people actors that are gonna be talking about what they're going through on a daily basis right. you know what i mean like every movie every book is gonna have pieces of the societal climate at that time whether or not he <clears> meant to or not he noticed things around him and made this movie. yeah and all of that ekes into it because yeah this is uh, i think the definitely the most stark message in it is definitely about racism oh yeah that's that's oh yeah for sure number one and i don't know if he did that intentionally or not it would be oh. stupid for me to believe that he didn't think about that he's you know I mean? well he that yeah I, he, I think he yeah. thought about it but he didn't like he's always said like he always said in interviews that it was never at the forefront and it was never what the intention was it was just like his reason for casting dwayne jones was just like oh hey this dude's a good actor yeah, he literally just, from it, the way he tells it, he just cast Dwayne Jones because he was the best one. Mm -hmm. That's that's the way that he puts it. But I mean... But if the best one is of a minority group that is has had a historical significance of being... I don't uh, think he... Against, you know, I, I don't think that might... He not, didn't write Ben as black either, he just wrote him as a dude. Right. But yeah, I mean, because it still would have been an interesting story, like at the end, if it had been a white guy. But it makes so much yeah. more sense for it to be a black guy, and he gets killed like by a fucking mob at the end. Exactly. Yeah. 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 He might have written it one way, but I think that when he saw that ben, uh, the actor Dwayne Jones was a good actor, I think he probably used that to the advantage of making. Oh yeah. He's like, oh now, now it's much more interesting yeah. and much more compelling exactly. because now it it's, it's saying something. And. Uh, it also does say a lot of stuff about the Cold War and about, like, Vietnam, like we talked about. It says a lot of stuff about a lot of the ills that society was experiencing at that time. And, I mean, it's not super <laughs> veiled. Like, it's pretty on the nose yeah. as far as commentary. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, goes. some of it. So, I can't believe that... I'll let him play dumb and say it was just he was just making a movie. But I think that if you have a movie like this, especially, like, that's a new property with a lot of different implications yeah. during the Cold War, you knew what you were doing. I yeah. feel like a lot of people that made alien movies, when they were making alien movies, they knew what they were doing. Right. Like, well, fuck those commies. Yeah. Aliens are commies. Like, I don't think, like, you can be a little bit coy about it, but I think that he had his mind and heart in a good place when he was making it to make... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think one of the things that, yeah, it, I think what you were saying is that just through osmosis, the things that are happening in society are going mm. to come through on the film. At, at one point um but i don't know like i i am gonna let him play dumb a little bit and just <laughs> and just say that yeah maybe he was because i mean there's a lot of like it's just like 
a fun movie True. at the end of the day you know it is it does say a lot and i think that a lot of the stuff about like the mob and like being like just kind of making assumptions about things and like just going with whatever seems like the best idea for everybody else that seems kind of familiar to what's happening right there's now also, but i said there's also the the infighting between ben and i think it's harry his name broomstick ass Broomstick yeah. ass. Yeah. I know, I know. The, the yeah, the the one he's constantly fighting with. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we know. And it's and it's because you know that 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 is straight up obvious racial tension there. Yeah. 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 There's yeah. He doesn't like the black guy having the gun. Is is pretty because, much what it comes down to. Because you know, we 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 love we love to see the shoe on the other foot. Yeah. The only. <laughs> The only thing that I've seen a lot of places in reading about this is the whole. This kind of annoys me. The whole idea of the breakdown of the of the nuclear family and everything like that. Okay, I get it. Maybe that's maybe that's in there. But I'm. I guess it's just because I'm a product of the late '90s and then by extension the 2000s. The fucking nuclear family hasn't really been like an actual thing in American society for a really long. Time. Yeah, but in 1968. No. Yeah, yeah I during, know, but it's just... during 68, it was still a bit of a thing. I, I don't believe that. I believe that that's what a lot of people tell Well, yeah, but you... I believe yeah, just as you... many people went through divorces. I believe just as many people had kids out of wedlock. They can give you but this it... whole, like, American dream ideal of, ooh, nuclear family and have your house. And that's how... It's... It, it was it was still pretty much like a pretty large part of America, like American culture at the time. You have to think of it contextually. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think at the time... A, a child eating her mom is is, <laughs> yeah. is, is very subversive, um, and I think that's still kind of sub subversive. Oh no, I wasn't talking about that. I'm just talking about the idea of. The but I'm saying, is it isn't that isn't that a family thing? I mean, a a kid eating her mom doesn't that have like some sort of subtext to it? Yeah, do you know Mat what I mean? Matrosa, cool you know, matricide. I mean, I agree. But I mean, if you think, I mean, if we, I mean, we're all about thinking of things in a third dimension no. here. So I mean, I mean, when you think about a kid eating your mom, doesn't I mean, isn't that more of like a, a, a subtextual thing in the in the sense of you know like I get it, she, yeah, yeah. Of, uh, yeah, like I don't know, it just feels like the the concept of they're taking away our family, they're taking away our religion, they're taking away like all that stuff that people like to spout all the time, yeah. Like, and I know again, very much a product of current times, right. Mm. Just that really annoys me. It's like people have lived different ways. Oh, it totally annoys me too. It, it, to <laughs> it, it totally annoys me too. But '68 was like the a period where we were coming out of a less homogenous family, let's say. Yeah. Because uh, like the '50s was all about homogenization between society and culture and, and stuff like that, and that, and then it started having ripple effects, you know, because you know. Institutional racism was starting to be really big because uh, you know in the fifties they started with the red line dis districts and and stuff and then and then like it was it was more subversive racism um, that was coming to the forefront as, alongside the overt racism. <laughs> yeah, so but, you know, plus, so you got to think about it, it, you know, in the way of the way, especially because. I mean, y'all are a Christian, in inverted commas, nation. <laughs> and, you know, post-World War II, like, uh, like you know, mid 
you know, up to up to like the mid sixties, you you were still very, you know, f- fully for that. And with the like with the rise of hippies and stuff like that during like the late sixties to like the early seventies. People, you know, people saw that as a breakdown of the nuclear family because they saw, you know, young Johnny didn't skip the draft so that he didn't go numb so that he could protest it instead. And how dare young Johnny not serve and get PTSD in a pointless <laughs> fucking war because, you know, hey, America sucks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of my point is that whenever I hear someone saying... Specifically, the, the phrase nuclear family, it comes back to these old-school American values that weren't really... I don't feel like... So, and I wasn't yeah, alive of course then. they weren't a thing. Yeah, I was about really. to say, I, don't, I wasn't alive then. But I don't feel like people lived their lives according to what America told people their values were. I know there are um, some people that live like that, and that frustrates the hell out of me. Because that means that our country has always been really, really good at propaganda. Well, and we still well, are. Yeah. Really yeah. But you yeah, have to you, understand you, that you, Vietnam. Y'all left England because of the fact that we weren't Puritan enough for you. Yeah. No, but you. And had, we were ruled by Puritans at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. But in, more in context of the U.S. specifically, because that's mm. what we're talking about, Vietnam was that turning point. Isaac, that's the thing that you have to understand is that, I mean, yeah, there was corruption in the government before this, but that was where we realized, oh, the government, the America can't always win a war. We can't yeah. always be the police of, of, of the entire world. And that was like the turning point. It's also around the time where Watergate happened and we lost complete faith in the government. Before all this, we lost JFK, which was a real losing innocence moment exactly and exactly that was in 63 so i mean you you think you think of before that there was relative stability in society other than the underlying things that were not quite as obvious and then it all goes out of control in the 60s and right at the end of the 60s a counterculture movement real big the hippies are a real Mm. big thing and so i guess okay so having talked that out a little bit Maybe it's not necessarily specifically talking about decay of the nuclear family or whatever. Yeah, Maybe no. it's talking about, what it's really talking about is kind of the spiraling out of control and the, the come-to-Jesus moment America is having with itself. Yes. And so the people in the house aren't just disadvantaged groups. They're every American whose life is being like turned upside down. Correct. Which yeah. is kind of frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's but, interesting how much it kind of relates to today. It's it's interesting how how oh, we yeah. chose two movies that kind of correlate really well to what's happening today. But it, it's timeless. Yeah, and especially like The Living Dead. If you think of that as literally a pandemic, like yeah, yeah, yeah right. You, you think of like the rise of zombies as a pandemic, and could and the way that we were talking earlier about people not ignoring you know ignoring social distancing and not wearing masks could you imagine how how people now would be fucking acting like that was another meme i saw was you now we know for sure that what's missing from every zombie apocalypse movie is that one guy saying i need a haircut yeah <laughs> what's going on let me leave yeah. my house and then he gets eaten by there would be, literally yeah. be people walking around going to shops and, and going to get their haircut and they would just be saying well as long as you don't get near the zombies you're fine <laughs> you know 
Just as long as you avoid the zombie horde, you're good. There's that one middle-aged mom who fucking needs her nails done and her her shitty bleach blonde hair done. It's like, I need my nails. And then she gets bitten and brings it back to her fucking family. Running back to Dawn of the Dead, so you have the one corner of the mall where all the all the people are like huddled up and mm-hmm. trying to fight off the zombies. But you have uh, Oshmans and, <laughs> <laughs> and you have Walden Book open on the other side, and people are just going in. And now I'm just <laughs> thinking of that scene in Blues Brothers where they drive through the mall. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, I oh, mean, the new Dawn, Oldsmobiles I mean, are Dawn in. Is a, Dawn, Dawn is a comment on on capitalism and how well, it's I so think, ingrained in us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. I do, I did make jokes at the beginning of all this when people were, I mean, they still have to queue to get into my store anyway, because our store is pretty popular because of the fact it's all old people. But honestly, they <laughs> would just come in and shamble in because they're all old. And it was literally just like watching fucking Dawn of the Dead in real time. Yeah. yeah. It was like, oh God. That should be Rome- R- Romero wrote my life. <laughs> Can we start that as a trend? Like, be safe about it, obviously, and wear your mask and everything. But can we just start just shambling everywhere in public? Like, whenever uh, you I, go I will go into you mean a you store. You don't already do that. No, you don't walk. You just. Like, <laughs> I will go into a store dressed as a Romero zombie and yeah. hope. And maybe people will fucking leave me alone. I mean, you already have so many ripped and torn clothes as it is that it's. I mean, oh, I was talking about Chrissy, but yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, well, all my clothes are just covered in like paint and yeah. printing ink. True. Yeah. <laughs> so I also look like I've been through the. Rear. I purposely cut my clothes up. <laughs> well, there you go. Because I want to look like some dude who's been in a fight. Yeah. So let's just shamble around from now on like even at work just shamble don't don't walk don't don't briskly walk anywhere just, yeah, yeah. And like, I, I didn't need to come to the post office <laughs> <laughs> turns out i, I did need turn to turns out i can just nope the fuck out of here that's that's what turns out that is the truth so like th- thanks to the success of of this film which yay we we like hearing B movies having success, like we got so many of the dead sequels. I mean you you know the original trilogy being Dawn, in seventy eight and Day in eighty five after this, but then that was followed by Land of the Dead in two thousand five, Diary of the Dead in two thousand seven, and Survival of the Dead in two thousand and nine, which was Romero one of Romero's last films. Before he, before he sadly died. Rest when, in peace. When did he die again? Oh gosh, I can't remember. That's really bad. A friend of mine went to the funeral. Wasn't Shout it, out to uh, Noah. Yeah, he had a public funeral where you um could uh where fans were invited to go. The misfits. <laughs> this is a, this is a this is a this is a a fun tidbit. The Misfits uh, sent some flowers in the shape of a fucking of the fiend skull because of the fact that they worked with they worked with Romero on uh, a film called Bruiser that he did in two thousand, and a uh, the video for Scream from Famous Monsters, which is one of my favorite songs. He go. did all like he and his team did all the makeup for all the zombies and stuff like that. Oh, that's and he, and he uh, he J- July sixteenth, two thousand seventeen. By the way, is when he when he passed. Oh damn, that was recent. yeah. 
Yes, it was. Yeah, my friend. We've talked about it before, actually, but you just forget. I did. (laughs) Yeah, my friend Noah went to the funeral, and apparently it was really lovely. And but um, so there was the remake in 1990 by Tom Savini, who obviously first one of his first things was Dawn of the Dead, right. which was right after he got back from Nam. Like, I mean, not right after he got back from Nam, but he got back from Nam and then worked on that, and that's why a lot of the death is so realistic, and a lot of his SFX deaths are realistic. And then the the spin-off by Dan O'Bannon and John Russo. In which not the living dead in that film is a real thing that happened, but yep. they like cover it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, um, there's style. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it, it's great. There's a there's like a quote from that film where it's like, oh, in the film, it, it you know it worked in the film. You know, if you go through the brain, it worked in the movie. And then um, ah, uh, Tom Matthews' character screams. You mean the movie lied? <laughs> there was there's a bit of a lawsuit about the name because I can't remember the specifics of it exactly, but it ended up being that Romero picked using of the dead and Russo could only use of the living dead. Huh. Interesting. For films. So this is a very Chucky child's play type situation. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but like they'd been friends, so it was like a weird. It was like a weird friends like tiff, and I think it was only just because Russo didn't really ask Romero if he wanted to work on the project. Uh, yeah, because it's like Return of the Living Dead. If it had been done by George, would have still been great. I mean, Dan O'Bannon knocked it out of the park. I mean, I love Dan O'Bannon. I mean, Alien is apparent. I mean, you know. It's amazing. We've already talked about it, but yeah. Yeah, and so we we, t- we talked about all that. But yeah, like, I mean, Russo, they basically rewrote all of Russo's script anyway, so it's like, basically, it's nothing really to do with him. He sold it to Dan O'Bannon when he realised that he couldn't do it. Because <laughs> Russo was a bit useless. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, if you want... If you never met. If you watch his film Santa Claus, then you will know. Tim Allen's great in that. What are you talking about? <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> but what if it was that one? I know. That's what I was hoping. I was really hoping. You're like, oh, you've seen it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it, it is one of those things that they... It, it's gone through a lot of iterations because of just how big it was i guess you know it's yeah. just one of the it's it's not quite a twisted web as texas chainsaw massacre but it's oh. in that range <laughs> i guess what my big question is so there's all these sequels and there's all these spin-offs yeah Do each of them have their own like their own little lore of how this um, start or is there one cohesive narrative that they've kind of ado- adopted over time as i well, understand that of the dead ones kind of follow night of the living dead right i assume yeah they all sort yeah. of follow land of the dead is probably one of the more like definite sequels to those films i've not i know i've seen diary but i can't remember what the fuck happens in that and i never saw survival but, like, Land of the Dead, it's, like, another sort of Romero comment on classism this time. Okay. 
And it was like how the the rich people are holed up, not having to deal with the zombies, and the poor people are having to deal with the zombies. But do they do they determine? Yes, it was the Venus probe. Like, what's the reason? No, no. There's the there's never there's never any actual reason in Romero's films. Okay. Um, there, there's sort of a reason in in Return, if we're counting that as. A version of canon. Okay. We'll say it's a different universe. Yeah. What's yeah. The so if we're counting that as a version of canon, like kind of like the Halloween movies, if we're counting, it, you know, we're doing that. <laughs> doing like that. It's 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 one of the universes of Halloween in that sense. Um, but in that, it's like a toxin that the uh, government were making. Yep. That was a government thing. It, it was government. The the, the dang <laughs> government. Huh. It was literally, it was literally the five G's. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> but, the, the conspiracy theories made real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it is the they're putting chemicals in the the water to make the frogs gay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Interesting. Because like that's the one thing that stood out to me, and I feel like it's stood out to me when I've seen Dawn before. Like I, mm. I, I kind of zone out when I watch Dawn. I watch it. I'm like, this is fun. And then I end up looking at my phone or something. But I'm always under like, how did this happen? <laughs> I, I like that with... And the movie and... retorts with, does it matter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that with at least Romero's law on his uh, zombies. Like, it, it doesn't need... It just needs to... Like, his focus is on how humanity survives at the end sure. of each Right, film, yeah. Rather than... Oh, and also all the dickheads who die because they do stupid yeah. shit. Yeah. And hey, actions have consequences. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it's good that you don't have a source because I guess that could lead to, like, even more scapegoating when it comes to, like... Yeah. I'm not... Yeah. ...pinpoint, like, the reason the movie was made. Like, we're talking about that he was addressing this issue and that issue. If you give it, like, a reason, like, in apparently Return of the Dead, it's actually the government, then... Conspiracy theories point to that. Yeah, well, like, I, well, see, the government does stupid shit, even though it's a work of fiction. So. I I would say Return of the Living Dead is the exception to to the the thing that I don't like about a lot of more modern zombie movies is where they get bogged yeah. down in the why it, why it all happened rather than like focusing on like just the survival part of it. I guess like like because then you're like mixing too much like with contagion territory in in post apocalyptic stuff. I I don't like that mix personally yeah, for instance resident evil is way too concerned about the why yeah to the, per, to the point that the end result toward the end of the games always gets like what is going on yeah like, it doesn't make any fucking sense resident like, evil is yeah. nothing but why yeah, exactly. and then and then it's like yeah they're zombies but they're just kind of yeah. there yeah. <laughs> so that's the only other end of the spectrum i guess i understand that i guess they didn't at least in romero's case he didn't want to make something too just campy and weird. And I think that's the territory yeah. you get in when you do focus on how, how do zombies though? And yeah. You're just like, well, it could be a lot of ways. This is the one we thought of. It's like, that's weird. Well, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. And then sometimes, you know, the, the zombies, the reason for zombies could be cool, you know, but yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like, if you get bogged down in that too much, then it's just an origin story yeah. at that point. It's not really a story within itself. It's a story to another story. Which uh, I I've always been fifty fifty on origin story movies or anything yeah. you know yeah <laughs> or uh, d- depends on the character right but um or like the thing like 
So with all the cult, because there is a huge cult thirst over this film. Of course. You know, we have seen so many people reference, we're coming to get you, Barbara, in almost like every film since this film. <laughs> yep, Maybe Jaws, not every film since, but yeah, a single, lot of them. Every single movie. <laughs> every single movie that's ever come out has used that line. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. I do, so I do we, remember we've that. We've got parodies, we've got homages, we've got documentaries about literally just about George and this film and about like just the genre that because he created this kind of genre like this specific genre of zombies you know right. as a whole yeah. I mean like Shaun of the Dead and Poultrygeist Night of the Chicken Dead which <laughs> we, we which is nothing about zombies but I mean it kind of is great we, we love Troma that's all I can say <laughs> um, like they're popular homages to like the title and the genre there's not there's not much else you know we've all um we've all seen mo- loads of horror movies like the meta horror movies that reference night of the living dead right well and, and now like it definitely in like a like a few years ago maybe seven seven eight ten years ago there was like kind of a, a surge of sort of spoof zombie movies like zombie land oh, yeah. and i mean Shaun of the dead of course I, I i would say out of those i like Shaun of the dead the most yeah, Zombieland was kind of boring. Yeah. There is a I, there is a good m- scene in Garland where he's like, yeah, I know it looks like it was part of the apocalypse, but that's just what Garland looks like, and I'm just like, yeah, that is what Garland <laughs> looks like. That's accurate. That's every person I work like every person I work with, whenever we go to Garland, like the first time we go to Garland with a new person, they always bring that up. I'm like, okay, I haven't seen this movie yet, but I know that Garland's a shithole. No, yeah. Thank you. No, it, it, it totally <laughs> is. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's a, you know, Poultrygeist being mostly homage in, in title alone. I just love the name Night of the Chicken Dead. Great. <laughs> You're pushing Poultrygeist pretty hard right now. Yeah, gonna, look. Give you a heads up. It's, it's, a, it's a good film. It's really <laughs> awkward to watch because it's, like most Trevor movies, incredibly offensive. But it's great. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's interesting that we talk about that there has been so much referenced in stuff. But watching the movie, I like. I don't remember any movies that have this reference, like the the, the kind of getting Barbara reference in. I don't really remember. Any that the a lot, a lot of films. I guess a lot I, of films, um, like just use clips from it. Oh, I have seen that. I will. Oh yeah, there's yeah, yeah to- totally a ton of uh. Other horror movies have referenced it, like like you know, movie within a movie type thing. Because it's, it's free, that's part of it. They don't yeah. pay anybody for that. Correct. But as far mm. as like having uh, homages or like, it's just interesting that I haven't seen much of that. But I think it's also because I haven't seen the movie enough times to notice it when I'm watching other media. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. I, I didn't pick up on it at the time, and so now going forward, it'll be fun to, to try and find it again. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. like I said, this is really my first introduction to it mm. it's good it's a good movie no. night of the living dead drinking game <laughs> God. i mean that's every movie for me har har scoff scoff <laughs> <laughs> every movie's a drinking game <laughs> did they hang up without saying bye time for a beer <laughs> <laughs> did they did they breathe time to drink a beer don't <laughs> <laughs> turn the movie on time to drink <laughs> did the music swell time to drink a beer <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, 
it's a ubiquitous film again. It's another one of those. Yeah. It's it's so it's so common that we don't even think about how common it is type movies, mm. uh, because we just seen so much of it. I, I would say it's probably not ubiquitous in the same sense that Jaws was, because Jaws, having not seen the movie, I felt like I'd seen it. Uh, but like I, I hadn't seen Night of the Living Dead for a while, and I felt like I hadn't seen it. I needed to watch it, you know. Well, I, I think that the biggest part about Night of the Living Dead is that this simple film not only created all it, its own spinoffs and its own sequels, but created like an entire genre that became bigger than anything. I, I can't imagine like Romero himself thought that like the zombie genre would be like its own genre. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Was, oh, he, I don't think he thought about that. Yeah. This was like just a cool horror film that he had an idea to make and he did it on threadbare budget and then was pleased at the results. I don't think that he would have dreamed that call of duty would have like a Nazi zombie mode 35, 40 years later. That specifically is like, no, I don't think of that at all. Success. Yeah. But that owes its success to this original movie. You know what I mean? Every zombie property owes its success to this original movie. And I think that's what surprises me most to come from like such humble beginnings. As good as it is, I'm still going to use the word humble because it's just it. It was an unlikely return on investment. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, and George George was always quite humble about it. Anyway, this is what they call a sleeper hit yeah. now. Um, <laughs> mm. Yeah. The, uh, the true underdog film. Uh, it's one of the most underdog films there is, probably. I, like I said, I think it has a world record in, in the Book of World Records. You can take that as you will. Give yeah, it, I mean... The Book of World Records kind of sucks dick, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm... You, Guinness. <laughs> I like Guinness. I'm fucking... I'm starting the feud with them right now. Guinness World Records can... can just I am looking forward to that Guinness sponsorship. Back. You better shut your damn mouth, Okay. <laughs> And hey, like just just think about it. It put Pittsburgh on the fucking map. Now the Living Dead did. Yeah, thanks thanks to George. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's all ba- every <laughs> one of his films is based in fucking Pittsburgh. I'm I'm pretty sure Pittsburgh is an island off the coast of California, and I I am not aware of it on any map that I own. But uh, <laughs> let's put it this way. Isn't, we're not watching It's Always Sunny in Pittsburgh, okay? Let's put it that way. Let's yeah. put it that way. I don't think they're on any map. Yeah, fuck you, Pittsburgh. Yeah, they're picking a fight with Pittsburgh, too. What else? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's Romero's, like, that's Romero's stomping ground. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I mean, if we have any listeners in Pittsburgh, fuck you. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I guess we shouldn't rip on them too much. Their entire like, like core industry is just withered up and died. Yet they still have a football team named after. Yeah. So like, Ooh, maybe okay. Sorry, Pittsburgh. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so what are uh, some of our favorite moments from this? I'm gonna let you go first, Isaac. Make me go first. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Fucking. Uh, I, I, I like everything around their mad dash to, to get the truck, you know what I mean? To get out mm. and, like, to... The scramble. Yeah, the scramble. Because it, it just fails so spectacularly. <laughs> fucking bald white dad just fucks everything up so much. <laughs> Typical. Just, 
I don't know. That's probably the most engaging part of the film for me. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of fake. Like, I like. I like the stuff with the radio. I think you and I were talking about that during the movie. The way that like they convey the world-building information to you. you know yeah. What I mean? like that, Through that, television and radio. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good touch, and I like that a lot. And I like that it kind of puts you into another time when they're talking about wait there's a radio up there why aren't we fucking up there then right no but we're, we're like, like i'm the king of the basement down here <laughs> but she's like they have a fucking radio up there i'm you know? king underground yeah. you will follow <laughs> my mole instructions but it's interesting to, to, to listen to that the actress talk about like how important the radio is you know what i mean it's like you you forget how how when you're living in the time that we are you forget how little avenues of communication they had they had yeah comparatively radio, yeah but now you can get on your phone and pretty much access all of human history if you wanted to yeah so it's interesting to, to for that moment to send you back into uh, back into 68 essentially and mm-hmm. again the rush to the truck i think is, is just a really good scene it's well see but the thing is is even then like 68 was a little bit more sophisticated than the movie lets on because the it's set in an old farmhouse which is already going to be like behind in technology that's another reason why it feels like it's in the 30s because of like how far back the setting is it, i guess yeah, yeah. especially if, even if you're watching it now it makes it more like isolating yeah you know what i mean yeah especially if you're watching it now probably for the same same way for people in 68 because they're like wait we have more stuff than they do right yes now. so yeah uh, isolation from technology always makes things feel kind of isolating like i don't know it always feels really lonely if you're watching like a cowboy film or something you know what i mean yeah uh, oh yeah it's, unless it's like one of the bigger ones like tombstone with a lot of fucking people yeah you're <laughs> gonna fight with Tombstone too. That's yeah. right. And the pizza. Fuck yeah. the movie and the pizza. Come at me. Out. You fuck Tombstone pizzas? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's like a pocket. It's already got the grease. No lube needed. It's self lubricated. Jesus Christ. Christ. This uh, is not what George A. Romero thought would be. Disgust. <laughs> Fucking pizza. Yeah. Films. <laughs> I mean, I fuck hot pizza. Uh, any. <laughs> oh. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> no, gross. <laughs> uh, my favorite moment. <laughs> <laughs> from this fucking movie, I'm trying to move away from the pizza fucking. Uh, is uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm obviously my favorite scene is where the girl kills her mom. But uh, yeah. I, other than that, I would say like probably just like the immediate scene where Barbara gets attacked by the first guy in the graveyard because it's like so jarring in the movie. Mm. Like I, I told Isaac when we first started watching it, when we, I was like, this movie like goes off the rails pretty much immediately. <laughs> and I, I was like, just like the immediacy of that happening. And then just how it's chaos until the end of the movie, uh, mm. just because that's like the seminal event. And then that's the rest of it's batshit. Yeah. I, I just like that. How much just how the pacing is very different from a lot of movies at the time, especially the same year it came out, Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby is really slow because it's almost a three-hour movie, Rosemary's mm. Baby. And then this compared to that is like, so this is like immediate, quick, shit happens, it's chaos, and then everybody dies. And then <laughs> and then Rosemary's Baby is just like, yeah, now you got Devil Baby. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I don't know. 
Sorry if I spoiled Rosemary's Baby for you. <laughs> but that's also a film you should have bloody seen by now. Kind of, yes. And we'll cover it maybe like sometime. Rosemary's Baby is overshadowed by The Exorcist most of the time. Like, a lot of people don't see one, they see the other. And then, if you, like, I didn't see Rosemary's Baby for years and years and years and years. I guess, yeah. I, I mean, they're two kind of different. I feel that way, but I feel like that happens a lot. It's Rosemary Baby just kind of gets... I, it's funny, I actually would consider, like, especially, like, year-wise, I would consider the analog to Night of the Living Dead to be uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then in that same... Well, the year before, actually, the Exorcist is kind of the analog to uh, Rosemary's Baby as far as like as far as like two endpoints to, you know, a very important period in horror yeah. history. Like, I remember my parents letting me watch The Exorcist and be like, this is a good movie. Yeah. But, like being like, oh, we're not going to watch Rosemary's Baby. That's fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't yeah. know if anyone else has had that experience. That's just my experience. And so yeah. It took me to an where I was adult to actually see Rosemary's Baby. Also, you just kind of have to, like, now you kind of have to think in terms of, like, oh, that's a Roman Polanski film. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> What's your favorite movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty much, like, the, 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 like the same as Zach's. It's the, 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 kid mur- the, the kid murdering the mum moment because that was so wild for me to see the first time. It's not something I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Especially for this film, which is pretty tame otherwise. Yeah, it's a, like, you know, it's like, oh, these these cool, you know, zombie kind of things are biting people, and I'm like, oh, this this kid just, like, straight up murdered her mum. Okay. Neat. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a trope, I will say, that is a trope that comes back in a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I know recently Ash and I were playing Resident Evil 2. Mm. That's a trope that, or the remake of it, I should say, the RE2 make. Uh, that's a trope that's in there where the, the kid gets infected. That's in, um, oh, shoot. I was watching something else zombie related. But anyway, the kid getting infected and then turning on the parents because they don't want to put it down because, Because you know, it's a child. child. Yeah, exactly. That's a trope that comes back in a lot of zombie stuff, and it's interesting to see that it was, like, started here. So. Yeah, and, and and you know, ma'am, like the it's a, you know it's the killing of the family. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, inverted all, all weirdly drawn SpongeBob. <laughs> Doodle, Doodle Bob. Bob? <laughs> the one that's like, oh oh yeah 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 no 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 yeah. Where yeah. you write where you write every other letter. In oh, yeah 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 no no I know I know the meme you're talking about, but you were also accidentally referencing the Doodle Bob episode where there is a poorly drawn SpongeBob that he made. Anyway, oh. uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, like that's my favorite scene. That I think that'll always be like my favorite scene is just the 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 mum the, the mum being murdered in a matricidal rage. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Kill your mom, everyone. It's clearly a joke. Please don't do that. <laughs> it's a great moment, and it stuck with me for many, many, many years. So much so that I own the Creepsville dress that is now discontinued, where it is the zombie kid, and she is on my fat-ass stomach. Well, there you go. Thanks, Creepsville. <laughs> Please sponsor us. Please sponsor us. Everybody listening, please sponsor us. We have a Patreon, by the way. Great uh, value Walmart brand peanut butter. If you're listening, uh, I will. 
I mean, that would just be Walmart, wouldn't it? No, I think great value is the wrong thing. I don't know. But I'll run the great value peanut butter Twitter account. Uh, if <laughs> I will give you some gems. <laughs> get your out there. I don't think Twitter has enough characters for the things that you spew. <laughs> that's it would why, be multi-threads at once. That, yeah, that's why Chrissy and I run the Twitter. Oh, shit. What if I uh, started up, like, three Twitter accounts that tweeted, like, the same thought, but, all, but each, each on a different Twitter account? It would just get broken up. Just... Followed all, following all three to get the full, like, idea, but if you're only following one, you just get, like, this nonsense chunk of text. You know what it means. Yeah, just the middle part. Yeah. Just, just, just what the fuck is this? Jesus. Uh, if I cared enough about social media, I'd do it, but I don't. So you're saved from that nonsense. Everybody. Oh, anyway, thanks. everybody, that's Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> that's all yeah. we have for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we do these whenever the fuck we want to. So or we can, <laughs> or we can. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more when yeah. we can. Uh, I mean, we do it just because we we enjoy doing it, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what we're gonna do next. We're still thinking about it, but uh, I, I we'll try and get it out next week. And uh, we love you. Thank you. Have a great weekend Bye. when you listen to this. Yeah, because yeah, by the time this comes out, it will be at the beginning of the weekend. So yay! Bye. Bye. Bye, y'all.